Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, a weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Polykeg, the best performing and easiest to use one-way keg on the market. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit our website at thisweekincraft.beer. I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Phil from Play Brew, based in Middlesbrough. Phil started out home brewing in the basement of his hairdressing salon in Leeds before launching Play Brew in 2017, initially as a contract brewer. A successful crowdfunding campaign in October 2018 enabled Play to open Middlesbrough's first craft brewery in Taproom in 2019. Phil, please introduce yourself and tell me about your beer journey and how you came to start Play. Yeah, it was basically, it was just complete accidental really i owned a business in leeds and i was always searching for like a new career and this happened to be a, a real accident really i just started doing it as a hobby and where i was where my business was in leeds i think it was uh, it became like the craft beer hub of leeds really and right. lots of places popping up and yeah i was just really drawn to all the the little diddy cans mm. uh, i think dale's pale ale was the first craft beer can that i, I seen and i right. like Mm-hmm. Um, so this was before really there was any really British canning, and that's what really drawn drawn me to it really. Right. So who were your neighbours in Leeds, just so we can get a get a sense? Uh, of I was I was on Mill Hill, so it was quite close to Bundabus. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. There was uh, Tapped. I think Tapped mm-hmm. was the first one. Yeah. Uh, and then Head of Steam opened opposite just us, down the bottom by the station. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's just gone. I think Thornbridge have just opened on the corner now. So you've got Friends yeah. of Ham as well, just around Friends the corner of Ham. Of Ham. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I totally forgot about them. I think probably <laughs> Friends of Ham were actually the first ones and then Tapped opened up after that and then Bundabus. So it was just really from, just from that really. And f- f- weirdly, I think it was my, my, my first ever night at Tapped to go and sample some beers in there. Pressure Drop were in there doing a... Oh, the terrific. Yeah, yeah, nice. And that was probably five, five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it sold out, but the guy at the bar said to me, oh, it's fine, you can just stay in. And nice. um, so that was a really nice experience. Mm. And so I've always drank Pressure Drops beers and I've always watched out for them and they've just gone from strength to strength. Yeah, they've had a terrific couple of years. Fantastic, they? yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent. So you were home brewing. What capacity of kit did you have? You 50 litre or? Literally, or it was, yeah, it was literally like a 30 litre kettle. And I basically got in touch with the local home brew shop. I think it was Morley Brew Shop. And I'm one of these people that has to be shown how to do something rather than be told. <laughs> so um, I got in touch with Chris at Morley Brew Centre. And, and weirdly, they were doing a, a demonstration that Sunday. And so I went along in the back of their kitchen. There was about four of us in there. And we were. I can't remember what the guy was called now, but he was brewing like a, a chocolate, some sort of chocolate stout, right? Um, which I wasn't really a big fan of chocolate stouts then. And and then then I went and spent five hundred pound getting some equipment in there, and then that was it. He gave me a recipe, an American pale ale, three point eight percent. I bought some Citra. Would I buy some Citra Centennial Cascade? I think it was. Nice. And I went off and brewed this APA, and I think four or five weeks later, when I drank it, I, I think I was off work, and I and I took them out the fridge and I and I must have I must have drunk about seven or eight bottles just gonna go because I was just so I was so overwhelmed that I'd created like oh, this yeah, yeah. beer and it had a the, the fizz to it and I and I just couldn't believe it. And that just got me hooked. Brilliant. Just, what, yeah. What, After that you were a lost cause, weren't you? That's it. Yeah. You, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just I've just been stepping stones really. I, I knew where, where I wanted to be and just had to be very, very patient and just mm-hmm. go down the windy road. <laughs> <laughs> So you started out as a contract brewer. So, so what happened was after home brewing, I did about maybe a dozen brews very, very quickly. And 
I thought, right, I want to, I want to get my recipes in cans and get out there. But at the time, the, the, it was Canon was in such its infancy then, five years ago. So there wasn't really anybody doing that where you right. could somebody could brew your recipes and can it on a commercial scale. Right. I managed to find somebody, and anyway, we did a couple of pilot runs with them, and I mean, it was great from a point of view of just seeing what the market was like, but it, it just wasn't sub. sub uh, sustainable basically from a cost point of view it right great to dip your feet in it but i think i think the craft beer market is just dramatically just going gone so fast since mm. since when i did that pilot run and i was probably really naive back then because i created the brand of my beer first than than the actual beer <laughs> i did it i did it back front basically. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, you know there's some fantastic breweries out there now who you know i still buy their beer just to get inspiration from and stuff and i think yep. it's I still do that I think we're spot for choice now. <laughs> I noticed that you trained at Brew Lab, yeah. which is uh, actually the second brewer I've had on who has been through that path. So tell me about that. Yeah. So what happened? So I, after a few months of home brewing, came across uh, Brew Lab, which mm-hmm. is in Sunderland. Yeah. And I booked myself on a, a course, uh, which is people who, like myself, home brewer, but they want to go into, into that industry. And uh, I really enjoyed it. really enjoyed it. And um, there was some really interesting people from all different parts of the world in there. Uh, yeah, it was really good. And they managed to arrange some work experience for me, actually, at a local brewery called Daleside Brewery in Harrogate. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to go there on my day off um, mm. and uh, just, to, just to see if I liked that that you know the mechanics of working and right in a brewery and uh yeah i loved it i actually loved it so brew lab was yeah, really good and i think there's a when you when you speak to the, the lecturers there um i think i mean there's a lot of the big breweries that are, are doing really well now a lot of them have, a lot of the owners have been there they're, they're yes. there in the classroom mm-hmm. five six years I, I don't want to say names because i don't know whether they want me to say them but yeah no. is, i was quite shocked well not shocked but i was like oh right, okay <laughs> doing something right <laughs> yeah absolutely i think it's a very impressive business and not just the training side but the, the you know the, the analytics side the lab side is also fascinating and you know providing great service to the, uh, the uk community so yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's a cool business and so that basically tipped you over the edge and convinced you that yes it was time to sell the salon and and, and go for it full time yeah that, that's right yeah yeah mm-hmm. so yeah so having run several test brews with yeah. brewing partners, you landed on the idea that, yes, you're ready to go for this properly now. And so uh, went through a Crowdcube crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, yeah. With my research, when I started looking into how people start off, some people are, are lucky enough to, you know, have substantial funds themselves. I wasn't, you know, in that situation. But what I, what really dawned on me was everybody seemed to, if the people started, they'd, they'd soon grow out of their kit very, very quickly. Right. So I came to the conclusion after speaking to many consultants and different types of people, I needed a certain size kit right? and I needed a certain size premises so that I could grow into it rather than setting it up and then running out of space. Immediately grow out of it. Yeah. 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 So I costed things up and, and I realized that, you know, I'm going to have to raise some funds. So I spoke to many different types of people and I just thought crowd funding was quite a, a good way of doing it um, i had a lot of people suggesting it to me and right. uh, yeah and it was it wasn't it wasn't easy especially being a startup because you, you do have to pluck your finger out the air um, a little bit because it is a new it is a new business it's a new startup and yep. you know you've got to sell people your dream and i've still got that dream but yeah it, it's, it's been a big learning curve <laughs> uh, crowd so, cube was very very difficult though very difficult um don't know whether i'll do that again right <laughs> 
but I think people just think that it's free money and easy to do, but it's it's far from that. Your sales pitch video is still on the Crowdcube site. Mm. I watched it this weekend. So that's it's uh, extremely professional, I have to say. You know, you did a great job with that. I'm sure you put a lot of time and, and effort and, and a significant amount of money into that. And, and it really paid off, obviously, because it funded your brewery. But it's a very professional video. Um, what can you tell us about that process and, and generally actually the the sort of the whole application process with Crowdcube because I think other people might be interested in that yeah I think uh, well I'm very 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 passionate about branding hmm. um, just as I am with about the beer but I think the initially the video it was um it was a really fun day actually a lot a lot of planning went into it it was like I think it took about I think it took about three days believe it or not okay. that. yeah no I can believe it yeah, yeah we, we it's been stripped down edited we've took you know because we didn't want to it was like a I can't remember how long the video was it might have been about a minute and a half and I think um, something like that and I think if you have it too long you you know you you bore people so but no that was a fun day so that I just when I first started Playbrew uh, and the brand it was all it was all about retro culture 1980s aesthetic and being a father when I started home brewing two young little boys and I found myself constantly buying old toys that I used to have right <laughs> uh, and nice. Thundercats and and we'd be watching a team and and then it suddenly dawned on me like oh wouldn't it be great to have a brewery where the branding was influenced from retro culture yeah and, definitely. Uh, that video that was some some of the toys and things in that in that video was actually I had since I was a child so yeah that's how, that's how it started really and you say you wouldn't perhaps go through the crowdfunding route again, or would you say you would? Obviously, you don't need to, but if you were in this identical situation to where you were in 2017, would you take a different path now? Uh, funny, I was having this conversation today with someone, actually. Um, I think it's one of them things, isn't it? When, you, when you're going into something, the unknown, you just go along with it. But when you look back and think, Phew, that was hard. Hmm. Um, I think for a startup, yeah, it was, it was very, very difficult. Maybe in two or three years, when we've established ourselves even more, and if I choose that route again, you know, maybe I will. I, I don't know. I think it'd be a lot easier going back to it once right. you've already established yourself. But I think Crowdcube is very tech-heavy at the moment. Um, right. There was a there was a time I think when there was a lot of breweries on Crowdcube, and then I think that now I think breweries were like a flavour of the month, and I don't know whether that's passed for startups on Crowdcube. I'm not I'm not sure. Right. It took me about six months to prepare for the the campaign right it's not something you can just fill a few forms out and put your video up and <laughs> just get going with it you have to you know i spent a lot of time networking and obviously with my instagram i had i built up quite a big following yeah. and there was a lot of work behind the scenes i mean as well i felt really when i did my campaign i think the first three or four days were going really well and then all of a sudden brew dog brought theirs on oh no and i don't don't know whether it took the edge off me or or what or help i don't know but um i I was a little bit deflated when i seen that but Mm. but then on the flip side i I do i do always think uh, positive and i think well they will have probably been bringing extra craft beer people onto the onto crowd cube aside so maybe maybe i've got some bites from that maybe I i don't know certainly possible isn't it anyway you raised your your hundred and Fifty thousand or whatever it was, hundred and forty-four thousand yeah. pounds, I think. And so, how have you spent it? What was the path from there to opening up the uh, the brewery in Taproom? Well, so basically, so that money was there was other money as well. I chose to come back to Middlesbrough, where I was from, because there was a bit of incentive to get some local grant money. Right. Okay. So great. There was a little bit of extra money from them. So, nice. so basically, the, the money was used for the, for the actual kit itself, building work, the cold room, the tap room. So there was. 
it pretty much I took it right to the to, I got every pound value basically. Um, right. So you're just just to the west of the town centre, is that right in Middlesbrough? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think yeah. It, I, yeah, if you look at it like that. So I wanted to make sure that the brewery was close proximity to like the town centre, you know, the, yeah. the train station's 10 minutes, the bus station's two minutes. Okay, nice. Yeah, so that's important. We're, we're as close as possible to, to the town centre. But Middlesbrough, I mean, I, I chose it because, like I say, it's my hometown. Right. I've not been here for 20 years living here. But I, I felt that being in Leeds, if I'd have done it there, it, it's very, very, there's some big, big breweries. Yeah, you're one of 20 or 30 now, aren't you? Or maybe, maybe more even than that, yeah. Yeah, and I just wanted the, I think the area really needed something like this, whether I did it or somebody else do it. And I think that a lot of people say that to me all the time, that, you know, they, they come in here and they're like, oh, wow, this this is just what the area needs. And, That's fantastic. Yeah, and, it's, yeah, and, and, and it, is, it is undernourished with craft beer bars and bottle shops. I think it does probably need a little bit more because North Albion goes down London or... Um, to Leeds, Manchester, and New York, right. the big places. But um, I do think we have got a bit of catching up to do in Middlesbrough, and I hope that it, I hope it helps the area basically. Yeah, I've got lots more questions about the the brewery and the taproom setup, Phil. But let's talk about this first beer, yeah. which is your raspberry and milk stick lolly, five point five percent milkshake pale ale. Yeah. Tasting notes I have are deliciously juicy pale ale based on a certain drumstick lolly that we all enjoyed as kids, and maybe still do. Citra using the Whirlpool to complement the Bond yeast and raspberry flavours. I'll let you tell me about it in just a second, but I have to compliment you that you've completely nailed the uh, the authenticity of the of the drumstick lolly flavour. I don't know <laughs> how you manage that, but it's spookily reminiscent of the little drumstick lollies. It's possibly a tiny bit sweet for me. I'm not sure I could drink it by the pint, but it's a very well-brewed beer and, and really creative. So uh, tell me about this. Yeah, so I mean, when I started the journey last year, when we opened last year, I, I was... I think I've been watching too many other people, what they're doing. Mm. And I do have a bit of a bold side to me. Um, mm. I like to, my son calls me Willy Wonka. Uh, <laughs> and I do have that mentality. I do like to, I think sometimes, are we a bit safe sometimes? I think the audience can be quite tough in this country. I don't know whether it's mm. like that in the States and other countries, but I, I do, like I say, I do like to be, a bit bold and but the drumstick lolly again it was you know i salute them to death to this day um <laughs> since a little boy and yep. um, i had i had to go brewing it about two months ago it was and i failed with it so i had to you know change the recipe halfway through mm. but yeah it didn't didn't work which was a bit disappointing and then i just got back on my horse and did it yeah I'm, i was really i wouldn't have brought it out if uh, it hadn't worked and no as soon as it was canned i sat in the brewery by myself and polished seven cans off straight oh my goodness so you've got a sweet tooth in <laughs> I, I, I love it yeah and um it's had a real as, as any as any ball beer does you always get a bit of a, a mixed reaction and yeah it's inevitable. i've had some really good feedback from it though and it's just it's just a bit of fun yeah yeah i like to just try and do a bit of everything really and, i think it's, uh, a, it's the beauty of having your own tap room as well as you really can experiment can't you and that's the great thing about the tap room model isn't it is you're not trying to sell it through distribution you're not trying to put it on every bar in the in the city yeah. this is your bar and you can damn well so what you like basically yeah, yeah. i mean in middlesbrough there is some real hot heads here but there's also some people who are very new to the market and mm-hmm. I remember when I, when I opened for our soft launch last year, I had some guest beers in here and I, I put some beers on there, which were very similar sort of flavors. And, and I just remember seeing people's excite, excitement on the face, like saying, oh, that, that, and that, and that, and that. And, and it got me thinking that, and people do get excited. If, if it's a full board of IPAs and DDH and New yep. England, 
you know, it's people want a bit of variety. Definitely. Um, yeah, and, and I'll probably do. I've got some other ideas. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. We'll see. <laughs> it's one of the great pleasures drinking in the tap room is, is walking in and saying, wow, look at that. I've got to try that. You know, you have yeah. a third third of this and a third of that and a third of that. And I don't think there's a there's a beer that I wouldn't order, yeah. you know, walking into a tap room. I've got to, you know, I'm not saying I need to drink every beer in every yeah. on the board of every tap room. But, I'm you know, if I'm going into one of my local tap rooms here yeah. in Reading and I see a beer I haven't had, I'm going to, you know, I can't leave without tasting that beer. I'm going to probably go back to some of the other ones that I know are like, but I'm probably going to yeah. start with the start with the new ones. That's just the nature of, you know, one of the beauties yeah. of craft beer, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, we've got we've got uh, 12 taps on ours. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, at the moment, we're not open at the moment. No. Um, but we've got lots of new things to go on when we're allowed to reopen. But we're just, at the moment, just selling our cans at the moment. The drums, the drumstick lolly beer, um, I mean, that, that sold out. You know, record time for us, you know, just absolutely flew out. And, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so it just shows you what customer, the bottle shop owners want for their customers. Yeah, they want something a bit different. Yeah, that's nice. So let's take a step back. So your crowdfunding ran in October 2018. So when did you actually open up in, in Middlesbrough? So the two, so when we uh, finished that in October 2018, the next bit, which was hard, was finding the right premises. Mm -hmm. That was hard, really hard. Yeah. Uh, I think I found somewhere in the Jan in the January uh, 2019 yeah. and then put the application straight away. It's a council it was a council on building so things took even longer with them. I eventually got the keys on July 2019. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we actually opened for business uh, on November the 14th mm. uh, 2019. So I think the first the first probably say November right up until COVID, I was a bit like a, a rabbit in the, the mm. headlights, really, in a way. It was a bit of a bizarre feeling, a completely new business and new industry, even though I knew it a little bit. And yeah, it was it was a weird time. And then as soon as we had to close a tap room, it was like a blessing to me because mm. I, I thought, right, that's it. Now I want to just concentrate on loads of beer recipes and canning. And, mm. and I've had real fun since COVID, really, bringing... I think we've brought about 18 cans out since since March. And, nice, um, yeah. So it's been a really, I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> That's really, you know, you're not the first person to say something similar to that to me, which is you obviously enjoyed a successful winter season after you opened. I'm sure you were rushed off your feet, didn't have time to catch your breath. Mm -hmm. um, never mind about make any plans or have a, a considered approach to what you were doing. And so even though it was a presumably a desperate shock to have to close in, in March, it has given you that opportunity now to reflect on, what worked well and what didn't work well in those first few months. And I'm sure when you can come back, you know, whether it's it's the spring, probably going to be the spring before we're properly opening up, but it does look like we're on the right track now to be able to to do that. Let's say by Easter, you'll have had the benefit of a year of, of successful small pack beer sales to, to, to keep the lights on and, and recipe development, but also a year to really figure out exactly what you want to do with the brewery and the tap room. And you know, I'm sure that will stand you in great stead as we yeah. as we go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just looking at getting four more new fermenters, um, actually. So nice. hopefully they'll be in just before spring, which will be able to brew even more beer and give our range, get, get a bit more mm. of a core range as well. Because I think it's one of those things, when you start getting traction, I spoke to quite a lot of other breweries when they started, and I think it's always the case when you start getting traction, you almost sometimes get too many customers and then you're trying to please everybody. <laughs> It's quite a hard balance, actually. It's I know. Yeah, yeah. It's a good problem to have, but you know, you need to always be 
be aware of that. So talk me through the numbers, the brewery-wise. So, so what's the capacity of your brewery right now? So we've got a, it's a 16 hectolitre brewery. So okay, um, nice. we've, got, we've only got three fermenters at the moment. Mm-hmm. We're going to get another four. So mm-hmm. we'd have seven in total. But I think the building that I'm in, it's quite big. We can go up to about 12, 14 fermenters. So we, we can get plenty in. But like I said to you, with the crowd cube money, I mean, it would have been nice to get a little bit more. But I had to balance it with the tap room because having the tap room here when you when you're starting out mm. cold for a brand new a brand oh, new so business you need the tap room to cash flow absolutely yeah and it, it really because i was on the verge of not doing it but i'm really glad i did it now really glad i did it um so i, I was going to have a fourth fermenter from day one but i had uh, our water pressure was really poor oh no so um, we had to unfortunately go and get a cold liquor tank so mm. um Hence why I couldn't get another one. So, so how big's your your tap room space? You know, how many people can you accommodate? Oh, the tap room, yeah, we we can hold anything up to 150, 200 people. Nice. So okay, great. Like it's quite <clears throat> it's quite fast. So we <clears throat> we we you know we had all sorts of things booked here. We had a few weddings and engagement dues and because nice. it's a little bit different. People, yeah, we had, we had a couple of charity events here. <clears throat> so yeah, we had quite a lot of stuff here, which was and that was heartbreaking when we. Obviously, spent all that time arranging things. Yeah, but you had a really busy summer of, of stuff booked that you had oh, to cancel. Yeah, yeah we were, what a shame. We from January right up until August. So, obviously, that, that went out the window. But, yeah. but hey ho, you know, you just have to do the best you can and just get on with it. Excellent. And and live bands are going to be back on the agenda as soon as soon as that's permissible, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. We'll have live bands and mm. comedians. Um, mm. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I think it's, it's something where I'm too, I haven't really got a lot of time now to, to look at that part of the business now. No. Um, it's another job opportunity, which will I, I will be needing somebody to come in and fulfill that because um, we, we just don't, we don't have time to, to, to deal with that side of things at the moment. No. So we spoke briefly about your branding, and obviously this is something that, as you say, you spend a lot of time planning before anything else uh, with the brewery. So talk me through the background to that. The cartoon styling is very distinctive. So is that is that a single artist so, that you're working with? So basically what happened was, so five, six years ago, when I started this journey, I thought, right, I want to, I want to create the brand first, just to mm-hmm. sort of see what it would look like and, and just see if it excited me. Mm-hmm. And it did. So... Um, <laughs> Again, you know, I had money was sort of uh, an issue, so I couldn't mm. just go to an agency and spend lots and lots of money. So I actually found uh, three students who just left Leeds University, right? And uh, they were just setting out their own business, and um, I was their first client actually. Okay, and and they we still work together now, and um, and I I went to them and told them my idea to be an eighties sort of nostalgic brand, right. And they sort of ran away with it, really, with my ideas. But what, what happened was the first... I don't know if you've seen the first ever cans I did, the small ones. Did you ever see them? I never had actually one in my hand, but I've seen them online um, as I was doing a bit oh, of research. Seen, yeah. Yeah. But so basically, they were illustrators. So we had to find hmm. a, an illustrator who could um, could match my mind, basically. Right. <laughs> um, so we had about 10 illustrators around the world that we give briefs to, to tell mm-hmm. them about we're bringing these three or four new beers out and they're going to be based on arcade machine, arcade games. Yep. And we got some samples from back and one guy called Benny Blunder, New Zealand he was, uh, he came back and absolutely nailed it. And, Brilliant. Uh, 
So he was responsible for my first three or four cans. And But I think there was a big gap from, obviously, when I did them cans to get my brewery because I was trying to raise the money. And yes. probably there was a bit of a gap. And I think after, I think after when I came, when I came back to it, came back to the drawing board, I just felt that I didn't want it, I didn't want it to, uh, I, I wanted it just to change, change direction. Right. Uh, I felt that it might get a bit tiresome looking at these heavy illustrated drawings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that we, we just sort of decided to keep the, the brand bold, colorful yep. and fun mm-hmm. the direction we've gone in we've, we've got a, a, a good template and we can can do what we want really um, right whereas either one i don't think would have been able to do that right oh, it's so essential isn't it to jump off the off the shelf or the or the fridge shelf or whatever you know wherever your beers are, are being displayed alongside many many others these days to have a, a styling that people can recognize as as being yours but also have something that catches the eye for people who aren't aware of you as a, as a brewery but perhaps prepared to give it a try based on artwork alone and i'm sure you know a lot of people out there are choosing beers based on on can designs and you know so, and, so you've got and, to and you know what and that, that was my point before i think four five six years ago when I think I was a bit naive at the time. I think um, relying on other people brewing my beer um, and then having Brandon outside, I think you, you, you've got to have some really, you've got to have really good beer mm. now. I don't, doesn't matter how good your Brandon is outside. It, no. does help, it does help massively, but I do think that the beer and what you do is, is so key because there's so many good breweries out there now yep. making some great beer. Mm. And that's something I've learned very, very quickly this year, very, very quickly. Yeah, are you suggesting that the, your early beers weren't at that level? I mean, they they, they no, must surely no, have been to no. give you the the momentum that you had at that stage. I wasn't happy with them now. Um, no, no, not not the first ever ones I did. I mean, they were okay, but hmm. I think you know, I think most breweries when you start out, you you know, you your first few, you you always want to improve what hmm. you're doing, and I'm quite hard on myself. I always strive for being perfect and. You know, it's 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 hard hard to hard to achieve that. Sure. Um, but the first beers, I mean, yeah, they were okay, but you wouldn't. I don't think you'd get away with that now. No, no. Well, obviously, the market's moved on substantially yeah. in those three or four years, anyway. Uh, so, so you would have had to improve to just to stand still. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. But I think good. also as well, what's been really good actually during COVID for someone like like ourselves, because obviously we have to sign contracts with some of the major pop contracts and stuff, right. and. And I think when we opened up here in November, it was very, very difficult for a brewery, a startup like ourselves, to, to to get the hops that we want. Sure. And then as soon as COVID, ha- you know, started, um, we were able to to get what we needed, basically. Uh, right. So that that's been a big help. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine, and and having established that sort of purchasing track record this year you're now able to contract for the hops that you need for next year, I guess. Yeah, that's it. So now we've got a clear, bit, a bit more of a clear sort of path what the next year or two will look like. So we've sort of signed up to some really, really exciting hops for, for next year. So, yeah, I'm really excited to, mm-hmm. to get my hands on them in January, February. <laughs> Brilliant. Quick question about your core range then, Phil. You know, what are you brewing these days? Basically, yeah. um, I think that because we're so new, uh, effectively we've only been brewing cans since April the 1st, our first candidate. So I think what I've been doing is I've just literally been brewing different beers. And I think Long Wave was the first beer that we've we've rebrewed and brought back out a couple of weeks ago. Right. Just because of people were asking us for it. And yep. um, I thought, to be honest with you, I thought I'd let the I'd let the audience pick our car. You know, as soon nice. as people are asking for things, you look at untapped ratings. Mm-hmm. That's what is going to pick the car range. I mean, 
long wave had great feedback when we first did it round and then we brought it out this time and improved it i think so we've improved it even more than last right. time looking forward to uh, to drinking that in a few minutes time then what else have you got then uh, in your core range well that was the first one i think we we won an award back in june or july with seba oh um, this is lost lost banditos, lost banditos yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so i think that's definitely going to be rebrewed again and into the core range but i think i think at the moment i think like i say because we're so new we just want to keep an experimenting and i think we'll always keep on bringing uh, an old core back and so then right. we can so you know in, in a year or two we look back and think oh yeah there's three or four of our core range there i think at the moment we we just need to keep on trying to push some boundaries and and experiment basically yeah that makes sense so so of your 12 taps then how many of those were were your beers when you were open as a tap room well, when we first opened so when we first opened we had five of our own we had our, we had our own lager Mm-hmm. We had a, a really nice London porter, uh, okay. 5.2%. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a session IPA, uh, 4.5%. And then we had a IPA, 6.5%. I think that's five, isn't it? Yeah, five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we had those five and then the rest of it, we we got some guest uh, mm-hmm. beers in but now when we reopen it'll be you know be just just our beers from now right. on and the fridge as well so you had a couple of cask beers on as well i think i, I saw mention of or did i did i imagine so that when uh, i think february we did uh, a little bit of cask just be, oh, february march i think it was so yeah we did do a bit we don't serve cask in here uh we okay. did we did when covid started and we set something up just to sell some of our cask that we had left but it's it's the way i've designed the bar it hasn't really got any space for uh any cask really no and um, i may well change my mind in the future mm. but um but that's another thing i mean um i definitely when the pubs are in a stronger situation i definitely want to be um brewing cask for the local pubs around here okay definitely. yeah there'll be a strong demand for that for, from the local area well you know I, when, I, when i opened i was very tunnel vision just literally cans and keg and that was it mm-hmm. again i was very naive and you know i had People asking me locally, can you do some, are you doing cask? You do I'm like, no, no, no. And then really I thought, no, you, you need, you do need to look after other people. And, hmm. and I think that it's important to, to, to do, you know, to serve everyone basically. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll definitely, definitely be doing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a tricky, uh, it, it's, I, I almost end up in this conversation almost every week on this podcast and, and the, the should I, shouldn't I do cask? It's so hard for a brewer to decide really based on the, the economics of the question, as well as uh, the sort of the expectation yeah, I, I of your think, customer basis. I think because obviously everything's so vulnerable at the moment. I mean, I've heard some real horror stories the last few weeks, a real yo-yo effect with some of the breweries. And I think the government, I mean, I don't want to get too political because <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't understand it myself, but I do think it's been really cruel on the, on the industry and some of the breweries that only are cask. Yeah, I think I, I really, really feel for them. Because I certainly do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I heard some horrible stories and mm. it's really, really sad. And I just hope when things get back to normal that we can, you know, we can all like help each other and look after each other, really. Yeah, let's hope we've still got a pub to go back to when it gets up to Easter or whatever. I'm sure we will. So on that slightly sombre note, Phil, let's take a short break. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Polykeg, offering a simple solution to deliver your beverages around the world in prestige condition. Available in sizes from 12 to 30 litres with connectors to suit any market and with a nine-month shelf life, Polykeg is your number one choice for one-way kegs. Ready to fill, upside or downside, with built-in pressure relief for extra safety and recycling. For a free sample or demonstration, call 01388 433 433 or visit www.polykeg.com. 
All right, so I'm thrilled to be back with Phil from Play Bruco for the second half of the show. Phil, let's get right into it with the hardest question for most brewers to answer, which is, what makes you guys different? What is your unique perspective and your unique positioning that will make you stand out from the crowd? Well, I think two things, I think, really, going forward, I think one would be, I suppose, our brand, which is like our signature. Mm-hmm. hope that we can put our stamp on that, that we're recognised for bold, bright, colourful, fun branding. Mm-hmm. But I think, like I said to you about the drumstick lolly, that was our first sort of real experimental bold. Could have went horribly wrong. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think that's something that's part of my personality. I, I do like to be a bit crazy. So I think there'll be a lot, lot more of that, as long as I get good feedback from ones I do. But right. Um, but I think, yeah, I think they say, I mean, I like to try and cover all bases, really. I do really like really hoppy beers, the new uh, USA hops or uh, New Zealand hops. Yeah. But I also like being really different as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, and I, and I look to the, what the Americans and the Swedish uh, do. I really like some some of the things they do. I do take a lot of inspiration from from the Americans and um, the Swedes. And yeah, um, potentially got some quite exciting things happening in the next sort of 12 months. I'd probably say be, being really bold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bold with your flavours and your beer styles. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, is there anything you can tease for us that's brewed and in tank already that's coming out? Yeah. I mean, we've 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 canning in about 10 days, actually. So we've, we're doing our first sour beer. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll be totally honest with you, sour beers, I'm, I'm probably, I'm not very experienced with them. We were at uh, Leeds Brewdale Social Club beginning of this year in January, a mm-hmm. uh, 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 craft beer festival and um when i went there i made a rule to myself to only drink sours when i was there um <laughs> to do a bit of bit of education and yep. um, so yeah we've we've brewed off first it's a um a raspberry cherry uh blackberry uh vanilla pastry pastry sour okay yeah uh, sounds good. 250 kilo of fruit into it mm. so yeah that's that's looking good and then we've got a a tdh ipa mm-hmm. 6.8 with strata Ida Seven and Mosaic, and I'm really excited about that because I've never nice. ever used yeah, good hot combination. Yeah, yeah, never ever used Strata before. Mm. So I'm really, really excited about mm, that. I really like Strata. I know it's not not everybody's really struck yeah. on it, but I love it. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that a lot. Mm. And then, um, and then we've got a uh, a maple and pecan chocolate waffle milk stout. Okay, well. how strong so, is that? Uh, that is six point three. It is okay. Mm-hmm. That's one thing at the moment um, with our our kit we you know we the impies and things like that is we're probably going to struggle so it's something that i'm going to be looking at changing uh, right we have to get a bigger mash tun uh, okay. which i think i'll be doing that pretty soon to be honest with you because i want to do some impies <laughs> yeah well you're missing uh missing a you know big chunk of the market if you're not turning out those beers yeah. these days aren't you yeah excellent what about barrel aging in the future is that something that you know you might it, be looking at getting involved with uh, probably at the moment, I'd probably say no. I think we've, we've uh, yeah, I, I think one we probably don't have to, well, we don't have the, we wouldn't have the space, I don't think, but I think never say never. But at the moment, no, it's not really in, in on our radar at the moment. No, okay, fair enough. Not not for everybody. I mean, that's the beauty of this this industry, isn't it? Is you can pick your own segment and sector and specialisation, and everybody. Uh, yeah. Everybody doesn't need to be doing the same styles or the same uh, the same strengths of this. Yeah. I think there's that many styles as well. I mean, you're always learning about, and it's just it's just another thing to learn at mm. the moment. And, I, and I'm too busy with learning about the stuff 
other stuff at the pump. So, well, like I say, never, never say never. Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We need to talk about this second beer, which I'm about halfway through. And this is Long Wave, as you mentioned already. This is perhaps your flagship pale ale. It's the one that has the most check-ins anyway on, on Untapped. Uh, 4.8% American pale. The tasting notes are easy drinking, hazy pale, soft and delicate, but with huge amounts of tropical and piney notes from the Idaho 7, backed up by the mighty citra, giving you a lovely grapefruit and passion fruit taste. I think it's a lovely clean fruity pale really easy drinking as it says but very tasty i'm really enjoying this phil um tell me from your perspective uh yeah i mean it's it is what it says in the tin doesn't it i mean it's um it's just a really clean nice session of you know you, you could have one you could have six it's yeah as you say you, you really could you could very happily drink this by the pint all night yeah as soon as you open the can you just get that that's you know really pungent sort of grapefruit passion fruit smell i mean you know it's either seven and citra, you know, you're always going to get that. But this one was the first, actually, when we brewed long wave the first time around uh, back in May, I think it was, mm-hmm. it was the first time I'd ever used wet yeast. And okay. um, it was, um, it was a, what was it? It was a Vermont yeast. Right. So that was something as well that I've really enjoyed in this time is, is playing around with different yeasts. Right. And um, so long wave was actually the first one we'd use a, the uh, strain, the wet strain, and it was uh, did a really good job because you get that really, you get that nice stone fruit off the mm-hmm. um, off the off the yeast as well. Yeah, because before you dry hop it, you can take, you can just taste it. You think, you know, it's like it's yeah, it's, it's beautiful, a beautiful yeast to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, so Los Banditos is also a, a similar strength pale, isn't it? How does that? What hops are in that? Well, basically, Los Bandito, yeah, that was um, that was five point three. Okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, we used Azaka and Enigma, and um, I'll be honest with you. At first, I was really unsure about it. Really unsure. Not that it. Not that it, it tasted bad. I just was a bit like, this is a really unique flavor. I've never. Okay. And it was the Enigma. I've never mm. used it before, mm. and um, I think because our our DO level was so was so good and so low, right? Can, okay. Um, I prefer, you know, after I think, funny enough, I kept the can back actually, and I had it last week, mm. uh, and it's just aged so so beautiful. Oh, that's really nice. Did. Yeah, um, and it, I think it just was really green a long time, and um, so it 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 grew on me. Um, yeah. In fact, what we did was we um, recently we we brewed a. Um, a pale ale, which is based on that recipe, uh, but we implemented a little bit of citra into it just to okay. balance it out. Because mm-hmm. um, Enigma, it gives a little, for me anyway, um, it gives gives a little bit like um, almost like like a cardamom, 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 yeah, 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 like a really white grapey. To, it was yeah, it's quite a unique flavour. And mm-hmm. um, so with the the uh, pale ale we brewed, which was four percent. Uh, baby bandito we called it okay um <laughs> yeah it's, it's got this obviously it's the same beer but it's just a um, a weaker mm. version of it it's uh it's beautifully balanced very good so a quick chat about social media you spend a lot of time and effort building out your instagram profile before you you launched a brewery that was that was a big part of, of yeah. building the the yeah. following and the momentum for play how much attention do you pay to it these days is it still something that oh, is, yeah. is, is a big part of what you're doing now yeah, it's 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 um it's almost like you're advertising, you know. It's like you, it's like you signed for your for your shop where people go and pass on a road, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it, it's it's so important. I mean, um, I think when I started my Instagram page many many years ago, it was I didn't have any beer, I didn't have any cans. It was just basically an idea, and it was just <laughs> like I say, it was just things I liked, and mm. um, and I grew a really big following very quickly. But 
but now it's so nice. To, in fact, I, I remember when I started, I had somebody message me, and is there any pictures of beer soon? <laughs> and <I'm, laughs> yeah, I think, any chance you're going to brew a beer? Yeah. <laughs> and it suddenly dawned on me. Oh, yeah, he's absolutely right. And that's when <laughs> that's when I um, brewed my first cans and got me in the motion for that. But cool. um, but no, it's um, the product itself. I mean, it's it's great, to, especially when you've got a new release. It's a it's a great thing to shout about and you know the whole world can see it and yep. it's a it's a really important i mean social media is such an important mm. um platform and what about untapped you're currently ranked 35th in england out of 1500 1500 odd brewery so it's, you know, it's not too shabby average average ratings yeah so do, do you pay much attention to to beer reviews and ratings on untapped um i didn't and then I did, and then I, and I don't. <laughs> uh, but, so my friend Donna was telling me about. Um, mm. He he sort of mentioned to me about how important Untap was, and this was back in March and April. I didn't really take much notice, and and I, I was like, well, I'm, I'm not really bothered. I just want to. And and then I started looking at review, and I started I started getting a bit, you know, watching it and watching it, and then yeah, and I think I think when you get a bad review, it really it really hits me hard. Mm. That um, I find that quite. I find that hard pill, pill to swallow. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Yeah, and and I think that I think you've, you've got to have crocodile skin. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've spoken to a few different brewers, and I, I don't think they're you know I don't think many brewers like it, but it's just part and parcel of life, and that's what it is. But I think now I've, I've come to the conclusion it's always there, and I have a little look at it now and again. I don't, mm. I'm not not as so obsessed with like I used to when I first started out. But no, no, I don't. I don't no. But you'd have a look at, you know, so the the drumstick oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. beer, beer, for example, is an obvious, you know, candidate where you want to see what people are actually talking about it when they're tasting it. And it's, uh... I, I mean, I wouldn't be like looking on it every like every couple of hours like I was in the past. But I think when you bring a new release out and stuff, it's of course you want to you want to look to see how it's going. Hmm. And um, some of the beers you, you think like, I mean, one beer which is for me and uh, brilliant. And it just didn't get a, as, as as well as I thought. And others have been better. And it was called High Roller, hmm. and um, we've only got about twelve cans left of it. And it's just again, that's just aged so beautiful. And um, so it's it, the audience is the audience, and you've got to respect their views. And you know, it's yeah. I mean, they bought the beer, haven't they? So they're entitled to have an opinion. I mean, on it, you, yeah. can't, you, can't please, you can't please everybody. It's, no. um, I mean, that's why I put like a. <laughs> a bit of a warning on my drumstick lolly if you know nick you know if you've got a sweet tooth and this is for you if you haven't got a sweet tooth you know don't buy it <laughs> i think that's a wise uh, a wise approach isn't it yeah what styles of beer do you like to drink um i think at the moment for me I can't beat a, a really nice clean new england pale i think when it gets this time of year really cliche but i, I do like to start drinking like porters dark. yeah yeah now, i do really like brown ales but okay but we don't really seem to. Many people obviously no, don't few, there. few and far between, unfortunately, aren't they? Yeah, yeah if, I love, and I love red ales as well. Even fewer and further between red ales. Yeah, yeah. And funny enough, when I first ever brought my first pilot cans out, one was a red ale. Okay, and I remember trying to sell them, and I probably say that every out with ten people, there'd be like two or three saying, "No, red, we don't sell red ale; it just doesn't sell." Hmm. And I was like, oh, right, okay. And that was a mistake. I chose I chose the, the brand before the beer. So I had a red can. I thought, right, that's going to be Red Ale, hmm. where really it should have been the other way around, really. Um, so <laughs> live and learn. <laughs> yeah. No, but brown ales are, I think, a little bit more common in the US, aren't they? But it's... it. Newton Brown, which they, over there they call it, they just call it Newcastle, which hmm. I always find really weird. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but I've got a lot of friends in America, and they absolutely love it. Mm. Yuki Brown. Yeah, when I'm in when I'm in America, I quite like wheat. I always when it's nice weather, I quite like a wheat beer. Mm-hmm. Love a nice cold wheat beer. Man, yeah. It makes me go to sleep like, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't. Um, you've you, you've not become. Um jaded with New England IPAs. Certain brewers I'm talking to in the last few weeks are saying, well, I mean, maybe I'm over the New England style. I, I personally love it. And I, you know, I, I, I think it's here for many, many yeah, years to come. It's uh, ingrained now, isn't it? It's, huh? it's, a, it's just another, it's another outlet, isn't it, for hmm. IPAs? But uh, no, I mean, like I say, I think I'm, I'm, the, the whole sour venture for me, that's something that depends why we brewed it. It's, uh, I think that's another avenue that I'd like to learn about and yeah. um, do a bit of tasting and things like that, mm-hmm. yeah. But you're not drink. You're still not drinking many sours yourself. Uh, no, 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 no. I need, I need someone to teach me. <laughs> I like to ask people about home brewing, especially people that home brewed to a decent standard before they got into professional brewing, like you did. So, what advice would you give to somebody that's thinking about getting into home brewing in 2020? Um, don't buy plastic. Buy, buy steel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my kit was. You know, it was very, very basic, and I think they didn't. I think there's a, I don't know what it's called, but it's like a vessel that you can buy. It's like a an all-in-one system. Yep. Um, is it the Hop Captain maybe? Is it or? There's a few. There's the um, the Brown Brownmeister is one yeah. brand. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so I think I think invest probably in the right equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, the same by you know by cheap by twice type of thing. And I think I think what was really good from Brew Lab was obviously it helped me. You know, they taught me how to make recipes and that, you know, just pretty much pen to paper, really. And that was a nice thing to have rather than, you know, because at first I bought a couple of books and did a lot of reading and followed certain recipes. And I think I remember trying to brew Timmy Taylor's download. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, being naive, I thought it was going to be identical, but obviously mm. it was absolutely nothing. Like. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I think I think uh, if you're going to do home brewing, I think learn how to do your own recipes pretty early on. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's really fun when you've actually designed it yourself. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And what about beer styles for for home brewing? Would you you know where would you start if you were? Gonna... I, I think like what I did. I think you, you know you can't go wrong with a nice three point eight four percent pale ale. You know you mm-hmm. can't go can't go can't go wrong with that. Um, just experiment with the good thing about home brewing is I mean you know you can pretty much get as much hops as you want really because it's you're buying a such small yeah you can these days yeah Yeah. so you you can dry hop into the high heavens and (laughs) just I think if you you know have fun with it yeah Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I did was my my, where I was home brewing it was like in the basement of my uh, my salon and it was Mm -hmm. a bit of a it was an awkward space and sometimes it used to drive me crazy actually I think having the right space helps massively Mm -hmm. you know making sure you've got a really nice clean clean and enough room to room to work and maneuver yeah I was up down the stairs and it was a bit of a nightmare so I think making sure I mean if you've got a garage I'm sure you know that'd be a good start to have Mm. makes sense excellent so this is what i call the shout out to the little guy and here i invite you to mention a small local middlesbrough based beer business which might be another brewery or it could be a tap room or a bottle shop or perhaps a cafe or a restaurant that is providing great service to the furtherance of craft beer in the city there's some great people out there i mean there's there's um red car rita's pantry tom who owns the, the craft bar uh, right on the seafront? You know he's he's done a really good thing, getting some great beers in there. Proper a proper craft bar, proper nice. Inn. So yeah, he he's he's a really good guy. 
Okay. Um, we've got Three Brothers Brewery down in Stockton on Tees. Right. Probably the closest brewery to me. Mm-hmm. Um, a very traditional cask-driven brewery. And I think that, for, you know, they've been going about four years. I think they're a family business. Right. Three Brothers. And I think it'd be good to recognise, like I said to you before, about breweries who are going to need everybody's help. Definitely. We, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going to need everybody's help. They're the two off the top of my head anyway. I've mm-hmm. gone ever really. But. No, that's nice. Thank you. No, we'll, I'll, I'll put both of those two in the in the show notes, link to their website so people can look them up. Perfect. Then we are arriving at the wrap-up question, which is, what would be your ultimate happy hour? Where would you be? Who would you be with? And what would you be drinking? It can be as exotic or as, uh, as humble as you like. You can choose. Probably Costa Rica. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. Costa Rica probably... Oh, I don't know. With who could it be with? Um, probably, yeah, me and my son. Me and my uh-huh. son. Nice. Uh, in Costa Rica, we're both obsessive animals. He's got a pet snake. Okay. So I think, and obviously Costa Rica, it's. Um, but you can bring the beer with you, so you don't have to be local if he doesn't. You know. It's what, sorry. For the purposes of this imaginary uh, moment, you can you can fetch the beer with you, so it can be. Uh... I would probably take a long wave with me. Okay, nice. Yeah. On the beach along mm. with, with my son, animals behind me, jungle on the beach, happy days. Nice. All right. I'm happy with that. Excellent. Very good, Phil. Thanks very much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's been a real yeah. pleasure. See you later. Bye now. Thank you. Coming up in the next few weeks, we have interviews with some of the UK's most exciting craft breweries. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you decide to subscribe to the podcast so you receive each episode automatically every Tuesday morning. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and leave us a review in your podcast app. It really helps others to discover the show. Full details on all our podcasts can be found at thisweekincraft.beer. You can also follow This Week in Craft Beer on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube.